new player, Tim, has joined the game. Ben rolls a d20, but only gets one. Australia's greatest podcast said no person ever. Welcome, Welcome to, to another, another dungeon. dungeon. Hey, that was my line. Alright, hi and welcome to Another Vindication, the podcast where I am vindicated always with my beliefs and opinions. Uh, tonight on the show, uh, I have uh, Tim Pato patterson Hello. And uh, we'll be discussing the blunder of the century, Mass Effect Andromeda, <laughs> and does that why make it me, is so. Does it make me the vindicator? No, I'm the vindicator. Aren't you the vindicated? I'm, I'm being vindicated. That means I'm right, doesn't it? I'm I'm vindicated in my use of that word, correct? Aren't you a teacher? Uh yes. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore I'm always right. Um we're also okay. be discussing uh people that refuse to buy consoles but will chip uh monthly salary towards um emulators um and getting them built nicely. Um and perhaps we'll discuss any other topics uh that Pato fancies. Do you uh, do you yes. know what we've stopped doing? We're still doing we the game of the week. I was just about to mention. Do you want to do that? Do you mean a quick review? Yeah, quick review. We never <laughs> settled on a title, did we? Game of the week, quick game review, of the whatever. Week. Yeah. Game of the week. So what's your uh, game of the week been? Uh, well, we're going to talk about it later, so I'll go a couple of weeks ago. All right. And stick with Ghost Recon Wild Bands. Oh, yeah. How's that? So it's actually pretty good. They improved it since the beta. There's still... A few issues. Um, they occasionally still had the when you're playing co-op, um, your partner would run outside the car or continually fall out of the helicopter when they're in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some reason, you can get out of a moving car as long as you're not in the trunk. Mm-hmm. If you get out of a moving car in the trunk, you just die. <laughs> um, but I've been playing a large majority of it co-op with a mate, and it's a lot more fun that way. Mm. Um, the, the AI is not too bad now um it's not yeah it's just more fun with friends i guess you could say that about a lot of games but this one is um it does have some decent tactical elements um and at times it can be difficult to do the whole thing stealth if that's what you're aiming for Mm -hmm. um but no it's good i'm glad Uh... yeah i'm glad they went the open world route and they've done a pretty good job of it and for an Ubisoft game, it's pretty stable. Is it is it an online multiplayer game like The Division? I was kind of confused about what it actually was. Okay, so no, it's not like The Division. Um, it can be played entirely single player with AI. Well, The Division is a town. This is yeah. a large open map with several different regions, different environments. Um it's not designed to be an MMO hybrid. Mm-hmm. While there is a skill tree, um, it's, look, it does play a part, and I guess technically you could finish it without levelling up your skills, but it would become difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a bit more tactical, so the division, everything just becomes a bullet sponge. Mm-hmm. Um the difficulty increases in different ways, I guess. Um, enemies do get a little bit more health when you move into a high-difficulty area, but they also start using a lot bigger guns, um, and it never feels cheap like the Division. I don't know if 
you have played any of the end game content, but you just sit there unloading clips and clips into yeah, enemies, yeah. and it just got it wasn't fun. Mm. Um, where we snuck into a few of the higher level areas before we should have, and you can still survive. Like if you're skilled enough, it doesn't. Not that it doesn't matter too much, but um, I guess the main difference is once you start getting swarmed in the higher difficulty areas, it's a lot more hard to survive. Mm. Um, but no, there's a lot more element on scouting. If you want to play stealth, you can just run and gun if you want to as well. Um, the freedom of playing however you want to is there. Okay. So yeah, sounds pretty so, interesting. So kind of more like a co-op Metal Gear kind of game yeah. rather than a, that Destiny model. Yeah. Okay. Yep, if you're going to put it that way. And it, it's on sale right now at JB Hi-Fi. If this releases in time, it's $49. Nice. What are you playing on PC? Yeah, PC. Yeah. Oh, interesting. What have you been playing? Zelda? Um, well, no, I finished that, so I haven't been playing Zelda. Um, oh. And I kind of regret being so efficient at playing Zelda because uh, I was having the time of my life playing that game and now I have nothing to play on the Switch. Um, so I did branch out and dabble a little bit in the eStore. Um, I've been playing a little bit of Shovel Knight, um, which I've never really got into. Um, but on the Switch works pretty well with the co-op mode. You just hand the controller to a friend and keep the other half. And it's a fun, it's quite challenging platformer. Um, but... Every time you play it, you do learn how to overcome obstacles. Did so you say challenging that. platformer? Yeah. Like, it's really old school, is it, brutal. Is it possible? Uh, yes. Um, but, it like, the parts I hate the most is, like, when the jumps are one platform big. I've always hated games that were kind of that. Because, I don't know, to me, that's kind of an artificial difficulty. Because it's just difficult because it is difficult. Not because it's an interesting mechanic. Um... But there's a lot of interesting uh, enemies to defeat. Bosses are quite the threat. And when you play with co-op, bosses get double the health. So playing with my girlfriend is not necessarily easy <laughs> in a so, boss sorry, situation. What, what was the game called again? Shovel Knight. Ah, uh, is that actually... I was trying to read. Mm-hmm. Are you playing on Switch or not? Yeah, Switch. I was trying to read on the Switch store if it's co-op or not, and it was really difficult to decipher. Oh. Oh, was it the the first one is co-op or the second one or both? So, uh, so the, the original game of Shovel Knight uh, was not co-op. That was and except that was on the, the Wii U. Well, that was on everything, but the Wii oh, okay. U version had co-op added to it with the amiibo. The amiibo unlocked the co-op mode. Now they've made like a definitive version, um, and that's the version that's on Switch and I think being re-released on other consoles. It's called Treasure Knight Treasure. Oh, Shovel Knight Treasure Trove. Um, right. That includes co-op out of the box. Um, and is that and both one and two? That, so that that's, just... that's the main game. And then there's like three or four uh, expansion story packs that are like the whole game, but you play as different characters and different towns and uh, different abilities. Um, and so uh, that's all included in the price of the game. So for $30, you get quite a bit of content. Yeah. Um, and yeah, co-op mode's really good. I think they're also adding a four-player battle mode to it. Um, they add, they have this interesting mechanic, which is gender swap mode, where um, you can swap out all the sprites in the main story for different genders of the bosses and the main characters. Like, it sounds one of those, like, things that people make a big deal about, but it's done really tastefully because, like, Shovel Knight, if a character's design is really androgynous, 
the female design is just as androgynous. Um, so it's not like making a big statement or anything. Um, but, but like why? Yeah. Why? I guess people didn't want it to save a male or whatever. It, it, it's, I guess what I mean by this is it's that kind of mechanic and what people ask for, but done in a really tasteful, non-preachy way. Um, and I guess it's kind of cute to see my girlfriend's shovel knight look kind of the same, but have slightly smaller horns um, to differentiate player silhouettes. Um, but yeah, gameplay itself, it's a good, fun game. Um, if you want to play something with a mate uh, on the Switch, but don't want to wait too long, this is a good game to buy. What about 1-2 Switch? Um, that is actually getting its lifespan um, from wow. me. I've done a Karen, and I've brought it to a couple of events. Um, I brought it to uh, my church's youth group um, the other night when it was a movie night, and while everyone was setting up and cooking some food, I had a, the younger kids play it and stuff. They really loved it. Um, hmm. Yeah, the the team battle in particular, I think, works really well in a party. Yeah, I've watched a Let's Play with that, and that looked yeah. decent. Yeah. Not, not every game is a hit, but... Um, like you've got this copy dance one. That's always fun. I think it's the joy of just like doing something physical and challenging a friend in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so, so you're going to do an Andy tonight, aren't you? Oh yeah. I'm going to defend have strong, a game that I've never have, Yeah. Strong opinions about a game that you haven't played. Well, I guess ultimately as we talk about Mass Effect Andromeda, I, I guess I want to keep in m- mind the kind of argument of like, how much does a game developer have to do to make you like adamant that you're not going to play their game and how much should you try playing a game before so forming I, an opinion i i bought it on launch day okay so, so tell me your experience so my that. experience has so you sent out a video a half hour video which i started to watch <laughs> but it Videos contained it contained spoilers. too many spoilers yeah. and i stopped watching um and in that time i saw you know a lot of what people were complaining about um, my personal experience hasn't been that. Uh, there were multiplayer issues at launch, which happens with nearly every connected game now. Um, the biggest thing I encountered, which is why I never played it the day after launch, was that my save game got deleted. So oh, really? On Saturday, I had to replay the first six or seven hours, okay. which wasn't that fun. Do you know the cause um, of that? No. I tried contacting EA, but yeah. <laughs> um, but apart from apart from that, like, yes, the faces do look weird, um, and it looks... Like, on their faces show, like, disconnect. So if they're talking about... And this example is in the video you showed when they're mm-hmm. talking about a certain character dying. They say it's so emotionless, emotionlessly, and every time I see the default female writer, I think, you know, they did do a pretty bad job with that character model. <laughs> like her eyes are too big, or they're always too wide open, or something. It's just something about it. But a lot of the characters do have odd eyes, and there's been a few cutscenes where they, they'll like look past you or look around. Um, I had one cutscene where there wasn't anything wrong with the animation, but because it's an in-game cutscene, someone had died, like an enemy had died right where the cutscene took place. Mm-hmm. And so it was this, just this random body obscuring half the cutscene. <laughs> um, 
Um, but apart from that, it hasn't been that big an issue as a lot of people are making out. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I thought was interesting was in the clip that you passed around, there was obviously some uh, interviews with game journos who had access to a preview build. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like they had a lot of concerns about the game in the preview build that I'm guessing made like those issues persisted into some people's final build. I've seen... So I'm going to keep talking about this video people haven't seen. There's a, there's a video going around of like characters walking really strangely. Yeah, really bizarre um, animations. The one, so that the the new race of aliens, mm-hmm. when you're walking around that town, um, she does move weird, and I thought that was weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't had like the hovering players or anything like that that was mm-hmm. in that that glitch video, but I mean, everyone's experience is going to be different. Um, it, it doesn't seem like the giant buggy mess that everybody is making out on. I'm playing it on PC, so I can't speak for console if there's any difference in releases, but it's an enjoyable game so far. Um, How are you finding, like, quality of writing or atmosphere compared to the other Mass Effect franchise, which went for this big space opera tone? um, The story is definitely not as gripping so far um i think i've got an overall idea of what's going on but it's not like i'm finding more joy in the exploration and the side questing and visiting worlds and stuff than trying to push to find the next thing that's happening in the story Mm -hmm. i find it weird that there's two alien races that have run into that you know when you first run into them the little health bar comes up and it says unknown and then you have some story dialogue a bit later and, you know, we've decided to call them the cat. They're the main enemy in the game. Mm-hmm. And then we run into this semi-friendly race of aliens and they just happen to call them cat as well. <laughs> like, stuff like that doesn't make sense. And there's a mm. few there's a few instances in the writing where, I don't know, they, like, can't be bothered explaining or... Because their faces are tired. Their faces are tired. <laughs> and, and they'll give a quick dumb explanation for stuff that just doesn't really gel mm-hmm. like it doesn't make too much sense and for a game that's supposed to be sci-fi and you know having all these people looking into the reality of you know is this possible because you know a lot of sci-fi is built off yeah um things that are theoretically possible with the knowledge that we have now Well, that was what Um, I think the original trilogy did really well. Like, they even explained how, like, communication across long-distance space worked or they put into a good set of rules about how the Mass Effect worked and and how they didn't have hyperdrive and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, So I guess you followed the pre-launch a lot more than I did. Well, I I guess Um, I can talk about my... Your experience with the game? Yeah. Well, hey, so um, I played Dragon Age Inquisition, first of all, um, because this is the first game made by the new wave of Bioware. After Mass Effect 3, a lot of the developers that were iconically Bioware since, like, KOTOR and stuff 
stepped away, stepped down, uh, moved on to other things. Um, and Inquisition was the first project in the, the brand new Frostbite engine. Um, they really overhyped it, made it look really cool before launch. Um, I played through all 60 hours of that game, and it was one of the worst games I've ever played. Uh, I think it's completely overhyped. I thought... Um, whilst the Frostbite engine does environments really beautifully and really nice, um, character animations were way too janky for an RPG, uh, dialogue was terrible, character development was terrible, um, uh, specifically, I think one of the worst missions is the gay character, um, his backstory is that he has daddy issues, like, it was super generic, boring quest. Um, I think, I think one thing that's difficult in open world games is that when you've got, when the story is trying to tell you that there's an urgency in the timeline, yeah, but you have the freedom to go and pick flowers for twenty yeah. hours. Well, that's the thing. The game kept pushing this. You've got to build up this army because there's mm. this huge threat you got to fight. And I have to give it credit. In the middle of the game, you encounter the threat, and it's it's quite the threat. I thought this game was going to build to a really cool villain. Um, and so you're building your army, but then you have to do all these things like walk around or walk to this really far away corner of the map. And traversing, uh, Inquisition's open world was super boring. Everything was just like a talk to someone, get items you can't see kind of fetch quest. And then when you get to the end of the game, uh, you don't bring any of your army with you. They do the whole, you're the chosen one, fight the villain by yourself. And then after you beat it, everyone shows up and they have a party. And it was like, well, what was the point of the whole game being about building an army? So, it left a really bitter taste in my mouth that continued on from Dragon Age 2 being vastly different to Dragon Age 1. And, of course, Mass Effect 3's ending, uh, where barely anyone was satisfied with that. Um, so No way. <laughs> yeah, there's actually been Bioware controversy before Andromeda. What? Um, you, mean, you mean them breaking the rules they established in DLC? You mean continuing a story from DLC? So most... People that didn't get the DLC don't know what's going on. Yeah, that, that and, sort of stuff. And the whole thing where the the head of the game was like, "The game will not have just three endings," and then the game had three endings that didn't show any. They were different equation. colored explosions. Yeah, so. different colored they, space magic. They um, did do something different. Yeah, look, they did actually add content to change the ending. And the ending's not completely terrible as when it first launched now, but it's not great writing. Um, the journey, anyway, the journey in three was pretty good, though. Yeah, there are, there are parts of three that are amazing. Um, the Krogan homeworld mission, um, that stuff's good. Um, but like you could already tell, Bioware was changing tones. I don't know. We don't know if it's EA's influence or whatever. But it seemed like when they went into development for Andromeda, the team is very different. And uh, after doing some research into it, it seems like EA Bioware have like three or four different teams, and the team working on Andromeda is like their C-list team that has barely done anything in the past. They did, I think, the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer, and they've done kind of like shovelware kind of stuff. Um, it also seems that they hired a lot of younger staff to make Andromeda, um, which... Why would you do that on such a well, well-established... That's, that's kind of where a lot of my hesitation for not wanting to play the game comes in, because I think it does ultimately come down to EA did not care about the franchise. They knew the name itself could sell and make money and people would eat it up. And at the end of the day, the quality, I think, reflects the poor care that went into it. Um, there's talks of really poor working conditions there. There's talks of uh, people being so, hired without the skills because they were fans of the franchise. So um, a lot of your hesitation comes from rumor and conjecture. 
Well, I don't know. Like, there was... I was very hesitant going in, like, before anything had been announced. Because they had already been teasing it for, like, four years at E3. And they kept not showing any of the game. They're like, oh, we're building the best Mass Effect ever. Here's a blurry picture of one of our artists drawing half a piece of concept art. This game is going to be so great, guys. Um, and they kept hyping it up before then. And then the final product, when we first see gameplay, even before I saw Bugs, um, there's a cutscene. And it just, I don't know, it seemed to lack any of the the characterization or or focus that the first three Mass Effect said. I could see from the footage the same jankiness in the character animation that I could see in Inquisition. Mm. Um, and I think... I mean, I, I just think it's a lot of things working together. I think the Frostbite engine is not good for RPGs. I, I don't think it can handle the different animations. But I think it's also a lack of quality and effort. Um, they're saying well, that... Um, Solar- I've seen a picture of this. The Solarian models in Andromeda, there are two Solarian models. And in Mass Effect 1, there's like 20 different Solarian models. Uh, the, apparently the female rider has the same skeleton rig to her as the male rider. And they use male skeletons in the sex scenes. They just swap the genders. And so there's like, the Asari lesbian scene is a weird amount of thrusting that doesn't make biological sense. Uh, it's, it's it's not necessarily like the skeleton rig, though. No, I, it's, it's the same animation the as the male skeleton. They just use yeah. the male skeleton. So yeah. I mean, it, it's that kind of thing. Like it's 2017 now. When you release a game in a franchise that came out, oh geez, when did Mass Effect One come out? Is that 2011? Yeah, a yeah. long time ago. Yeah, like six years ago. You expect it to be better quality um, on that front. Um, well, they bought back a lot of the features I liked in one that went missing in two. So they bought back a lot more of the inventory side of RPG. You know, there's mm-hmm. more than three guns to choose from. Yeah. Um, there's mods and there's a crafting system that, I don't know, seems all right so far. Mm. But The the best um, praise I've heard is the combat system. Um, seems to be fun. People seem to like that. Yeah, combat's quite good and... Look, I don't know. I'm in two minds about being able to pick and choose your class spec on the fly. Yeah, that's kind of hard. like they want you to be non-committal from the start. Like generally with an RPG. So okay, we'll take something like Fallout. Fallout, you start as a clean slate. They never make you pick a class or pick anything, and you develop your skills as you go. Yeah. Whereas. Traditionally, I'm trying to think of the last RPG I played that had to pick a class. Um, let's even say any of the previous Mass Effects. So you would pick... What was the first ones? It's like Soldier by Soldier, yeah. Uh, and Engineer, tech. Infiltrator, Vanguard. And you'd be locked into a certain skill set. Yeah, and that also controlled uh, in the early ones uh, what guns you had access to. Yeah, and look... It kind of like they're trying to give you everything like you're still obviously limited by skill points mm-hmm. um, and I'm playing much differently this time than any other um, they've bought in uh, there's apparently some time between the multiplayer and the single player in a different sort of way so you can earn loot boxes I think by doing the multiplayer missions but you can also just send an AI team to do it and you know mm-hmm. they'll take two hours and have an 80% chance of doing it or whatever. Yep. Um, and they've got systems like that that are really good, but 
It's not the the reason I want to go back and play Andromeda is not the story. Yeah. So I, I think I'm understanding the motivations of the cat and what's happened in the past and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it's not a compelling reason so far. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to go and find out, like, what's happened to the other arts mm. um, and, you know, what's happened to everybody else and the... There's a pre-existing war between the cat and this new alien race that you find. It's not that exciting, to be honest. Um, not too much of the hows, like how the cat have done what they've done, has been explained yet. But mm-hmm. yeah, from from a gameplay perspective, I'd say it's good. Yeah, and I'm enjoying same. it, and that's why I keep going back. And from a story and narrative perspective, which is what Mass Effect was kind of built on, mm. it's it is lacking. Yeah. See, and, I think and, that's, that's where I feel the most burned is by the story because uh, up until three, I would talk about Mass Effect like it was the holy grail of game storytelling. I, I just loved what it set up. I loved the fact that before three, choices and consequence was carrying over between saves, um, that yeah. uh, you influenced relationships and, and built this squad of people that you could also command um, in, in combat and stuff. And uh, yeah, I was really gripped by the story, the Cthulhu kind of mythos as well behind the Reapers. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Andromeda just doesn't seem to have that weight or that focus. Um, and the the prote- from what I've seen of the main characters, they're a lot more like cartoonishly chipper compared to Shepard. They don't have the same weight. They seem a lot younger and a lot more immature. In some non-glitchy footage I've seen, uh, the female writer won't shut up. She just keeps talking. A lot of the dialogue is just exposition over combat, which I'm not a fan of in games. Yeah, and that's... um, You'll hear the same lines repeated. I mean, that happens in... A lot of games. You know, you can only record so many lines. But yeah, the, the frequency of them. And the main one is Sam. So you've got this AI that talks mm-hmm. to you. Um, and when you go in and out of hazardous conditions, he lets you know, which is quite annoying because you can do, you can go in and out of hazardous positions, you know, five times in under a minute. And it yeah. just becomes annoying him constantly telling you. Yeah. Um, the voice acting's not fantastic. Have chosen, like they've matched some characters completely wrong, mm. which, is, which is off-putting. So even if the writing was spot on i think i would still be put off if 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 the story was the best story ever told in video games it would still be off-putting that they chose the wrong voice actors and that the faces look so weird yeah well that the the faces like the the main female character i've seen footage where it wasn't a glitch but in that video it's just footage of her looking like she legitimately has special needs or or something's not on at home up there like she's just staring blankly into the distance someone's telling her that they're in danger or that they're in trouble or it's a tense scene it's bizarre that face and i know day one there was a patch to improve the quality of her face but like it's a lot of just like poor animation or not understanding anatomy in the models it's bizarre Mm. and look the multiplayer is no different, really, than three. They've just made it three rounds instead of ten. So it's still it's, like a horde it's, mode. It's fundamentally the same. Yeah, yeah. it's still wave based. 
with objective mixed in between and I don't know, maybe the same amount of characters three launched with, I'm not sure. And still the same loot box system and that's I guess how they're planning to do their microtransactions. Well, I, I guess the other thing was like, it didn't, it seemed like they repeated a lot of content from the first Mass Effect. So the first series is really, um, amazing, really grandeur because you're encountering all these new alien species every game. You're learning about the history and the culture. Now you've moved to a new galaxy and you would expect like that to be the main focus is meeting a whole bunch of new aliens, but it seems like they've repeated, like you have to relearn about like Asari and Krogan and stuff. And the, the party members are still like, you get like two humans and Asari, a Krogan, a Solarium, whatever, Turian, and it's, then only one new alien race. It's kind of half assed. Like, yeah. If if I was completely new to the series, I don't think there's enough information to fill me into this point. Mm-hmm. But if I was not new to the series, it does recover a little bit of track. So you know how there's obviously a big deal with the Krogans and Solarians and. Mm-hmm what's happened in the past and there's a few off-handed comments but like i don't know unless there's dialogue options i haven't gone into because i know about it but um you don't get that sense of law i guess so it's not repeating the law too much then um like i said unless there's dialogue that i'm not choosing and I, i find i'm not i don't know i guess this is a symptom of the writing but i'm not choosing every knowledge path like I would have in Mass Effect yeah. 1. Okay. So, you know, one of the first things when you land on the Nexus, which is the new Citadel, is go and meet the three or four leaders or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And they've all got you know, three, four or five pieces of information that they can queue you. And I found I just ran up to them, did the one that I needed to, and then ran off. Like okay. I wasn't interested in talking to yeah. them. Yeah. Um, they don't, I don't know. I hope there's some better things to come. Like now that I've established a colony on a world or two colonies, I think the directors of the Nexus are becoming more friendly with me. Mm-hmm. And I hope there's a bit of that political play coming into it because some of your dialogue options are, I you know, you want to be my friend now. Um, and one of them's telling you, you know, you shouldn't trust anyone and you can snap back at them and say that means you too and whatever else so there is a power struggle within the nexus and i hope that that plays out a bit more and that you'll have a bit more control um there's a few characters that you just want to shoot out into space um (laughs) but you can't because they're key and they're apparently important to the story but yeah look I don't know. I guess I'll reserve overall story judgment until the end, but so far it's gameplay that's capturing more of the story. Well, but, you never know with Mass Effect. The story could completely change in the last five minutes. They could yeah. introduce a new character who completely takes everything you've been working across in the game in a different direction where you have very little control. You never know. But, <laughs> yeah, and and you are right. There are a lot of reuse in the galaxy so far. The cat, which is the enemy in you, but their models, mm, they're not that different. Like, it's mm. not drastic. Like, you know, Krogans and Solarians, they're completely different body shapes and model yeah. types. The cat aren't really. Um, neither are the Ang. 
Angora, whatever the new ones are called. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not that different. They look kind of similar to one of the yeah. Star Wars characters. Well, and I, then heard, I heard they couldn't import any of the original assets. They had to build everything from the uh, ground up. So I don't know if that contributes to some of the jankiness. Not having the original people, you kind of have to like glue together as best you can to recreate your first yeah. science project. But um, And yeah, the other one is just a race of robots, which are uninspiring. They're pretty <laughs> They're just boring. the Geth? They're... No, the Geth are more exciting. Like these are just... <laughs> bipedal and a floating one. Oh. Really, it's not Yeah, not exciting. Mm. So um, how do people travel between planets in this? Um or, or sectors. Is it as Mass in Effect? what cuz the relays were reaper technology, so that's the something I was curious about. So at the moment you just fly your little tempest. Oh, there's so like... be- between so one cluster and another yeah. is when you use to take a, a, a relay. Yeah, because that distance um, is phenomenal. I guess the clusters are a bit smaller. Oh. But so far, I don't know what to call it. So one section might have five planets in it. Mm-hmm. And so you just fly there and then oh. you you fly around to the planets. Everything so they don't, has they don't animation. Um, like there's no, no technology that's letting a ship cross years and years of space. No, not that I've come across, but I've only really just been introduced to the new race of aliens. It seems like they're native to the area that they're in, and they've colonized close planets. Oh, um, so that that seems really like slack in the law because that's why Mass Effect is called Mass Effect. It yeah, but you also technology. can't like if we've gone thousands tens of thousands of light is a way to escape the reapers in a place that we hope that they're not um you kind of can't have mass effect really well I, I get that but you can just be like oh this alien race have invented a cube and you put it in your ship and the cube lets you travel this like uh, if, yeah okay yeah if, like, if if that does exist it hasn't been explained okay yet. that's interesting i think that because we know between Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3, they changed the story direction entirely. Uh, the original plot across the first and second game was with the overuse of Mass Effect technology, it was creating this uh, dark energy or like a, a void in space that was expanding and, and the Reapers were trying to save people from that. But that whole plot thread got lost with the classic Reapers of the bad guys and you've got to shoot them. Okay. Um, so I've always been curious and kind of like, do they honor that technology or that Mass Effect point? But I guess not with Andromeda. I guess from a technology perspective, you've got, as far as weapons and armor goes, you've got three streams. Mm-hmm. So you've got Milky Way, which is ours, mm-hmm. and everything that you Are they like have classic, come to. Like, classic, the Carnifex yeah. pistol, the Viper sniper rifle. The M8 Avenger assault rifle, that sort of stuff. Then you've got the Helios cluster, which I guess is the section that you're in. Mm-hmm. I don't know my universe terms. Um, and then you've got the remnant stuff. So they're the people that were left behind by the ancient builders. Oh, um, a new ancient race that existed. A new ancient race of years. robotic builders. That's incredible. Yeah. That, wow. Yeah. <laughs> So from from that side of things, I guess they've explained, and you can research different bits from 
from the three different streams. But as far as us advancing technology, I guess if enough time passes in Andromeda, which I won't know until I finish, what we what we have will be a amalgamation of Helios and yeah. Milky Way technology. Mm. So the, there's already a few item descriptions when you've researched blueprints for um, Helios weapons or whatever, saying that, you know, we've jury-rigged it with our technology or whatever. So, mm. so would you recommend Mass Effect Andromeda to people? Um, yeah, I would. I'm still playing it. I'm not bored of it yet. How many hours are um, you on now? I don't know, let's say 10 to 15. Okay, so still pretty early days. Pretty early. I've managed to, I'd say, complete, in air quotes, two worlds. Mm -hmm. The two kind of story points, I guess. Um, I'm taking a small break because the Ring City Dark Souls 3 DLC has come out. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm getting frustrated with that. But... (laughs) Yeah, I am. I am genuinely keen to go back and play Mass Effect Andromeda. Um, Do you I see guess... yourself playing the original trilogy anytime soon for comparison? Me? Yeah. No, nah, it's way too much time. All right. I played Mass Effect One three times over, I think, in mm-hmm. a vain attempt to get all of the achievements and gave <laughs> up. Uh, I think there was a couple of them that are just I could not be bothered with. Yeah. But by that like, point, I'd already finished it a couple of times. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I still enjoyed it. I think by yeah. the third time I was trying to speed run as much as I could, but there was a lot of aspects I really liked about one, like, you know, having to manage weapons overheating rather than having clips of ammo and that sort of stuff, and they completely stripped all that out for two and three. and Yeah. Yeah, that's the funniest piece of retcon lore in Mass Effect is they engineer guns to a point where they can regenerate energy and then they delete that technology because it's overheating so they invent ammo packs. Yeah. Uh, Classic, yeah. Well, I think I did read it in the Codex one day. It's, uh, it was the, the thermal clips are guest technology that instead of waiting for your weapon to cool down, you just eject the... yeah hot thermal part and shove a new one in but yeah it's a lame excuse to add bullets in instead of having unlimited ammo i was in the minority of people that felt like i don't think mass effect one's combat is good at all it's very bare bones um i think if they had taken two in the direction of focusing on rpg mechanics um it would have been better but uh i enjoyed two's combat over one because i I feel like what they did with two in terms of what everything like they took the rpg out of it yeah well see i think in one you just stand there and shoot and manage yeah. inventory and the inventory management is hell but um like it's not fun it's not too excessive it's just not fun whereas and in two they force two you to move is- around the field usability is more see the, the thing with the the heat packs is they force you to move around and change location because you have to pick up ammo uh, which yeah. i don't mind i felt like that was a better metaphor for actually being in space and actually shooting aliens than like numbers on a gun. But I feel like the RPG mechanics could have been developed more and that's I guess enjoy... an alternate universe we never saw. Did, did you enjoy the planetary mining? No. That you used to sit there and spend I mean, hours scanning planets. No, I didn't I liked I didn't mind the probes 
but it took too long. The animation, yeah. I think, was too long. Everything took too long. Anyway, yeah. yes, yeah. I would recommend. Okay. Um, um, if you're after a deep narrative, though, maybe yeah. not at this point. See, I'm, I'm interested in experiencing it for myself, but based on, I guess, what I've seen, what I know of Bioware from playing Inquisition, it commits too many, like, game design sins that I think a AAA developer shouldn't be producing in a finished product. Um, so I'm not interested in buying it. Um, but, you know, if it dropped to, like, 10 bucks, maybe. I don't know. I also hate Origin, so that's a problem. Well, that's the other issue. So I've been playing, I guess, a majority through the Steam link, which means I've got a link. The Mass Effect executable with Steam, which is fine, but then it... You go through Steam Link and then you click Mass Effect and then it opens, it opens Origin oh, and then it okay. opens Andromeda and it takes a while before everything's done. But mm. yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So that is Mass Effect. Um, it is a sad but okay evolution of the franchise, apparently. Well, they did make a statement. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, do you have that? Because I do. To our players, it's been a week since we officially launched Mass Effect Andromeda Worldwide, and we couldn't be more excited that our fans are finally experiencing everything we've worked so hard to create. We've received quite a bit of feedback, some of it positive and some of it critical. That feedback is an important part of our ongoing support, and we can't wait to share more of our immediate plans with you on Tuesday, April 4th. In the meantime, keep your feedback coming. Uh, our team is listening, working around the clock to gather information and then ignore it. No, and plan out solutions to improve and build Mass Effect Andromeda. Thanks for your continued support joining us on this journey. So basically nothing. Yeah. See, my, my problem there is they didn't say sorry. They didn't um, say anything. They yeah, said we've received feedback. It's like a fake message. It's like people see that like, oh, see, they've ha- they've made a statement. They're responding to crit, but they haven't said how they're doing that. They haven't yeah. apologized for the quality. I don't know. Like, it, yeah, you can't, though. I, I think if they apologize, then that probably open themselves yeah, up to a class a action lawsuit. And then, yeah. But if you've if you've been spending four years developing a game, and your day one patch is you change the face of the main protagonist, like if you haven't noticed issues like that by staring at the protagonist in four years, I just don't know. Stuff like that just like boggles I'm my not mind in developing. A developer, so I'm not going to comment. Because I'd patch your face if I could. <laughs> no. We can't. <laughs> well, aren't you lucky? I'm um, pretty lucky. So I, I don't think I can successfully transition to the next topic. <laughs> Why not? Uh, if, if Xbox 360 emulators existed, would you emulate Mass Effect 1? <laughs> well, it does. It exists in the Xbox One backwards compatibility. Well, if you could... <laughs> All right, so moving on to our next topic, moving to another galaxy. Speaking um, of people that make lots of money per month. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, there's the uh, CEMU emulator. Um, I think they focus primarily on a Wii U emulator. Um, I'm not sure if they've started branching out to other emulators. Um, they've become quite popular. Um, the Wii U being a console that was ferociously misunderstood. Um, and something a lot of people skipped, but still had a couple of games that hardcore fan bases want to play. A lot of people have turned to emulating Wii U games, um, which is not 
smooth yet. I believe it's still very clunky. Ah, I was going to say, is it legal? Uh, no. So <laughs> Not in any I, way, shape, or form. Which how is, can which I is point. Yep. put up a Patreon Yeah. for something that's... I may as well say, look, guys, I'm setting up a meth lab, but I don't have enough money. <laughs> can you guys please give me a monthly income to do it? Well, that's, that's the, the nature of these things. I believe the Patreon page doesn't specifically mention what they're emulating uh i think it just says like we're a group that we're a team of programmers that like to work on game console emulators yeah you're allowed to talk about emulators you're just not allowed to like say oh i i do it specifically for this thing um it's like everyone does it but like no one talks directly about it um but like Mm. it's so so I guess, yeah. So the, the issue is there's a Patreon group for this emulation group. They're getting like $25,000 a month to make an emulator. Um, and I, I believe there's a lot of people on the internet that should get paid for their, their fan projects and the time they put into stuff. And um, a good emulator is a good emulator. But I don't know if that is very kosher um, being paid that much uh, to rip off a console. And then people, I guess... The, the emulator is free too. Oh, is it? I'm on, I'm on their website now, and it looks like I can just mm. download it. So I guess the confusing thing is, who is the client base that are refusing to buy a console, but are happily chipping, like, a couple of dollars a month? Like, if you save that money, you could just buy a Wii U in, like, what, like, two weeks? They're going to be really cheap if they're not already cheap. <laughs> um, well, see, that's the thing, is I think it's a shift in the way that we consume right now. Um, we are more likely to put 5 10 Twenty dollars a month into a service, rather than forking up the cash up front. Mm. So I, I don't understand. In a case like this, Patreon doesn't make sense to me because yeah. once the emulator is built and stable, why is there a point? Emul- emulators are pretty ongoing um, because each game kind of needs to be reassessed, and there's always glitches that can be fixed, um, make yeah. it run smoother. Um, or in, better, I know a lot of emulators like the Dolphin emulator can run uh, Wii games and GameCube games in 1080 and 4K and um, you can play Skyward Sword with a Wiimote on your computer and it's objectively better oh, I think there might still be problems with sound but like visually, it's better than the Wii's compressor Nothing Wii's will make Skyward Sword better <laughs> until, until, you... until the Switch HD rework control version <laughs> Until you don't have to fly that dumb bird Skyward Sword won't be any good. Yeah, that sky was empty, wasn't it? Um, but <laughs> um, oh, I guess the other thing in similar to this topic in the same time span is um, Xbox were talking about um their mistakes with. Remember when they first announced the Xbox One, they wanted Xbox? to have a service for I didn't like make mistake. <laughs> remember they wanted to have a service for like buying digital subscriptions to games and then people were like no i don't want to pay for that i want physical discs um in this uh, yeah. yeah in their statement recently they were, they said they talked themselves up and they're like we were ahead of the time in the market like we knew people were going to go into these digital subscriptions down the track but we wanted well, to have it now um they I, they technically were but they weren't on the other hand too yeah so with the theory yes but with the practicality of releasing a 500 gig console no, you weren't. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's the thing. In America, digital only makes sense still. But, like, um, it, we don't have the internet for that in Australia. Um, uh, 
I struggled to download like a game that's one gigabyte. That takes me a good couple hours. Um, but yeah, yeah, and and I think yes, we are starting to be more open to digital services or monthly fees. Um, I I know a lot of people have Netflix, and some people have Netflix and and Stan these days. Um, and I think for movies and TV shows, that makes a lot of sense. Games, I'm still not sold on in that model um well people are subscribing to ea access and have been for a long time and yeah, that's... I, don't, I don't understand those people because i don't know what's appealing about ea games well <laughs> but if you if you buy the hockey game every year um yeah which you know a few of my friends do they subscribe every year the hockey game every year they buy the new nhl hockey? specifically the hockey game yeah. I, I don't think I've ever seen the hockey game. Well, there's people that buy it. And I mean, it gives you... I'll put in air quotes early access. It's limited early access to games. Like Battlefield and Andromeda, I believe you only got 10 hours. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's... Yeah. It's better than nothing, but it's a service also that you're paying for. I'm not sure what else you get. I think you get discounts when you buy games. Um, and you get access to their game vault for as long as you're subscribing. But, yeah. I mean, that's potentially the way that things will go. But you're right, our country is not ready for it. Yeah, definitely not. Um, and, yeah, I think console sizes are still way too small um, on the most part, um, mm. which is weird because, so, like, the Switch, it's not on the market yet, but the Switch will be able to support two terabytes of data. I don't understand why consoles you need to buy such a huge hard I guess maybe they no, they, they shouldn't have I too much more going on like it should just be other, storage right The other side is why do you have to have everything that you own downloaded Yeah so you can swap out say 5 maybe 10 games at a time have them downloaded and the rest you just delete and I mean I've got everything that I own on Xbox One installed, but I bought a external hard drive probably the week the update came out. So. Mm. Oh, um, it can be pretty inconvenient, though, if you've got a, a digital game um, that... So, like, I've deleted a few things from my PS4 or my PS4 has died and I've had to re-download everything. And there are a few games that take hours to put back on because yeah, but that's there's so many multiple yeah. gigs of updates these days like people aren't releasing finished games they patch in half the game after it's come out and then it's like you've got to download 20 more gig on top of installing the game but do you know what else is the problem with sony (laughs) a lot of things they they don't host in australia so for us even even a wired network for me i get terrible network yeah terrible downloads definitely terrible and they keep um, making the PlayStation Store just like a nightmare to navigate. I looked in yeah. today; they've changed the out, up, like layout, so it's even more confusing. Instead of having sections that look like rectangles you can click on, now it's like whatever shape they feel like is actually a button, and you have no idea like what is just a picture and what is like a clickable. It's nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Look. Anyway, we've we've gone way. Way off I would pay someone twenty thousand dollars a month if they offered a better PlayStation Four. Um, well, that's not going to happen. I I've guess... always, I've always said, 
but it's a background of being a fanboy, I guess, that the Xbox in general is much better laid out. I don't know if Dave was here, he would argue because he's used the PS4 a lot more. But I think they're I guess, both bad. I think no one does layout particularly good. Well, yeah, it's interesting. I think next, this week Xbox is changing again, so uh, I might change my mind because it is vastly different, I believe, from mm. from before. But on on the topic of emulation and stuff, um, part of the Switch's uh, online membership thing when they introduced that in autumn or spring here um, is that they're going to be as well as Virtual Console, some of the classic Virtual Console games are going to be getting online play. Um, what does that mean, though? Like, is it just a leaderboard? or? Well, I know. I imagine, like, if you've got Super Mario Kart, you'll be able to play Super Mario Kart online um, with other people, um, which is interesting um, because that's if that's the case, Nintendo are putting quite a bit of spit and service back into classic games, and I'm interested to see how that will affect emulation. Um, I mean, obviously people have been emulating those games for years and years, but like, is that something people would be attracted to? Um, playing these old multiplayer games that may be difficult to play multiplayer these days? Um, I don't know. That'll be interesting, I think. I'm not interested. No? Really. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I really struggle to go back and play old games. Hmm. Um, I, I definitely struggle to play some, but there are some although, classics that... Yep. When Rare Replay came out, I did give Panjo-Kazooie a lot of time again. Mm-hmm. Um, just because that was one of the great games of my childhood. It is a great game of it many is. of our childhoods. I actually preferred it over Super Mario, I reckon. Oh, it so, like, Mario 64 is, like, fundamentally, like, game-changing in terms of game design. But it has aged terribly. Um, it's not the best platformer of all time. Banjo-Tooie is probably the definitive 3D platformer. Oh, yeah, you see, but Tooie and Nuts and Bolts didn't actually run as well on Rare Replay. Something was wrong. Really? Tooie didn't Nuts, run? Nuts and Bolts. It, it ran, but Nuts and Bolts especially had well, massive that game frame is, rate issues. No, that game always is broken. Ah, okay. <laughs> oh, well. um, interesting, yeah. Anyway, that's about all we've got time for. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure you check out our sponsor, Hebe Games. Now that we've said they're a sponsor, Dave has to pay us. Oh, really? Um, I hope so. Like that's every time we say Hebe Games, Dave has Hebe to pay Games. us more money for every time we say Hebe Games um, in order to make sure we get money from Hebe Games. Is that how that works? I think if you say Hebe Games over and over and over. He appears in the mirror and will murder your family. Oh, what is he? Oh, wow. Google, <laughs> he really needs to look at his Google SEO. Um, hebegames.com.au. He's also on Facebook at Games. But back to us. We are on the Podbros network. We are on Wooshka as a hosting platform. We are facebook.com slash another dungeon. We are another dungeon.com. We are another dungeon.com slash YouTube. Um, please find us on iTunes and give us a rating. It helps other people to find us. Tell your friends about us. Uh, we are at another dungeon on Twitter. What else have we been? We're on Twitch. Twitch. We're on all sorts of stuff. But mostly we just need to get our name out there. So yeah. if you listen and If you're enjoy... having a conversation at a party and you don't know what to talk about next, just start talking about us. Um, you probably won't make any friends at that party, but at least you've put our name out there and we appreciate that. But the next party you go to, when that person has gone away and listened to the podcast, you'll have someone to talk to. That's true. <laughs> And you can make friends over a long period of time. And isn't that what gaming is all about? Mm. Making friends. 
Yes. We'll go with yes. I know that's why I play Overwatch. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody, and join us next time. See ya. Bye.